Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. It's the been what? A... Yeah, the Bloke and the Bird Show. I the, got it right. The, the what? The Bloke and the Bird Show. Oh, it's been so long I didn't remember. Yeah. You know, that that's partly your fault. It's mostly my fault because you oh, see, used me you as go. the scapegoat for all of these well, things. No, you were traveling last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, the weekend before that, nothing really happened. And then the week after that, things happened. But we went through like two weeks where like nothing happened. And you looked at me and you're like, there's like no stories. Why should we have a show? So we didn't have a show. And I didn't fully blame you for that. But I blame you for last week. That was your fault. Oh, yeah. I was traveling. Now... Also, in my defense, I've added something to my workload that started this year that takes a lot of my weekend away from me as I do these these things. And so the idea of sitting down and focusing for one more thing, it gets hard. Well, you know, you're going to need to figure out your weekends because we are less than one month away from the start of the season. And... The rest of the family is going to have a lack of willingness to miss races when we're home. <clears throat> you're, you're going to need to figure that part out. Apparently sleep is going to become optional. It, 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 it may be, but... I see where your you're, priorities you're are. You're not going to deny the rest of the family from watching the races. So what we've got coming up, winter testing... The only winter testing we get, which Hasn't I disagree it? with. But it's been that way. We've only had one winter testing well, we for a few years. We had two last year. We had, yeah, we had two. Because remember, we had a Mercedes that didn't completely suck. And then we had the next round of testing where we had a Mercedes that completely sucked. Yeah, but that was like <clears throat> back. That was the, last we, year. The week right before they started racing. They took the sucky Mercedes to yeah. race one. So February 23rd to the 25th will be our one round of testing in Bahrain at the Secure Circuit. Um, And then the season kicks off March 3rd to March 5th, that weekend. Opening race in Bahrain. By the way, I'm out of town that weekend. Of course you are. (laughs) Of course you are. Hey, Mm -hmm. I got an email. You got. I, I I got an email. Let me let me pull it up because it is totally related to this. So let me let me pull it up here. All right, let's let's. I gotta find it. It's gonna take a second here. Let's see. Cease and desist. No, that's not it. <laughs> Notice to appear. No, that's not it. Um, uh, Your legal bill is not it either. Recipient of the Nobel Peace. But no, that's no. not it. <laughs> yeah, because you're not. <laughs> I got an email from Fantasy GP. That's the one I was looking for. Fantasy GP. If you act now, and I don't know how long this goes, I'm assuming we've got about two weeks. But if you act now, they did not put an expiration date on here. Just act now. You can save up to 30% off pro memberships. And as you recall, pro memberships from Fantasy GP were fairly affordable. They were. And if you move up to the elite pro, <clears throat> Phil, um, you get extra money in your team. Yeah. And I extra, I am definitely doing that this year. Because <laughs> you're tired of being last? I wasn't last. 
Oh, yes, you beat the boy. See? He didn't participate for half the season, and you barely beat him. Hey, you know, whatever it takes. (laughs) (laughs) Who won last season, by the way? Who was that person Probably again? Phil. He keeps winning every year. No, I don't think it was Phil this it's probably year. Probably Phil. I, I just <laughs> don't think it was Phil this time around. Hmm. Actually, I think Phil's loving wife beat Phil this past year. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> no, I have heard from our listener, Phil, we have to encourage his wife to continue to enjoy this so that he might get to go to a race someday. Oh, that's what it takes? Yeah. Vicky, you need to let him go. Not that we've been to a race. He should go to Long Beach. But that's an Indy car race. Yeah, but you know, that's what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. And it's much cheaper than Formula One. And he'd get full pad Phil, you'd get full paddock access, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It It should. But, you know, Phil's also fairly close to Las Vegas. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the stands. Okay, but Las Vegas, um, the ticket prices are absolutely insane. It's what I heard. And, you know, Agro's out there too, and I don't even know if Agro's going to make it because the ticket prices are insane. Well, he tried the... He tried Miami. Yeah, but he tried the early entry in Vegas, mm-hmm. and those tickets got sucked up super fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm thinking European circuits where you got to go. That's why I'm saying Long Beach. That's not in the European circuit. <laughs> but it's in the U.S., and, and Long Beach is Phil adjacent. It is Phil adjacent. <laughs> adjacent all right moving forward to your email that we should be starting our fantasy gp league shortly um if you get a pro subscription and you act now by going to fantasygp.com like i said 30 percent off memberships that are already fairly reasonable so we encourage you to do this and then we will share it should be the exact same league code as we've had previous years but we will share that once we activate our stuff and get it moving but we will be getting it moving as well. And one of my goals this year is to bring back the standings. Uh. I have not done it since we moved to the glass enclosed, enclosed nerve center with its wonderful view of the sixth fairway of the fabulous Red Tail Golf Club. You are correct. You have not, (laughs) which means that the season that I won, won, I tell you, was lacking its appropriate accolades. You got your music. Yes, I did. See, we This chair is still sticky from you spraying champagne all over me, by the way. That's not from the champagne. That's from the cat. Ew. (laughs) Ew. Okay. Moving right along, we do have a season coming. We're all excited, as you can tell. Um, did we happen to see any cars come out? Because I know there were like some dates, and then I traveled and put my head in the ground. And we've had reveals over the last week or so. We've got more reveals coming up. Um, Mercedes has showed off the new race suit. Oh, it's black. Ooh. Spoiler alert: it's, it's black. black. <laughs> The car's probably going to be silver again, but the race is black. So, tangent, Mm -hmm. quick little tangent. 
I was talking to some people the other day about, you know, that upcoming fake holiday that's happening next week. You know, the one with hearts <laughs> and Tuesday. roses. Yeah. Hearts and roses. Um, it's that, not quite as fake as Sweetest Day. But it's up there. Yeah. Um, and one that universally you and I just do not celebrate. Mm. Years ago, I had a friend who correlated this Valentine's Day with pitchers and catchers reporting for uh, spring training. Mm. And um, I have now started to correlate it to car reveals because there is a car reveal on. I believe it's Mercedes, actually. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) On the 14th. So, you know, I I started going, oh, that's what you have hearts and roses about. The cars are coming out. Well, first one we will talk about just because it was the first one I dropped in the lineup. Not because of timing. Okay. Um, but first one that I will talk about is the Williams launch. And by the way, we're not going to get too in-depth about this for a lot of reasons. Mostly because the pictures do not translate to this audio medium that we're talking on. Well, there's that. But there, I mean, there are folks who are doing the in-depth technical analysis of well, what we've seen and, and how it translates into potential performance and what the strategy that the team is going to have and all of that stuff. And the reality is what is being shown today? And we've seen this consistently. What is being shown today is likely other than the colors and the livery, not going to be the same as what hits the track for the first winter testing season or session and is not going to be what hits the track for the season opener. Exactly. So, in terms of really digging too much into it, it's kind of pointless. But in terms of, you know, the general color schemes and the sponsors, because there is some notable sponsor stuff that has come out so far, that I think is worth looking at. And we're, we're looking at Williams for starters. Um, the two biggest things I saw with Williams, one I thought I really liked, um, and I don't know if you can see it from, from your angle here, is one of Williams' new sponsors is Duracell. And they painted the the intake above the driver's head with the copper top like the battery. That is that cool. That was brilliant. I think that's cool. I think I mean, that's cool. Whoever came up with that design idea, I love it. It's kind of like um, when Red Bull put the Red Bull can on the minis. Yeah. Kind of a thing. But yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, or, or when they painted the Toro Rossos with the silver and blue so that they looked more like a Red Bull can. Exactly. Um, the other big thing of note with Williams. So we talked last year about the shocking departure from McLaren of Gulf and the sponsorship. They've appeared over on Williams. Oh. Um, I and- hope that means there's going to be some really good gear that comes out because golf seems to make some decent looking fan gear we don't know exactly what they're going to do um we do know that um golf plans on doing stuff including a potential full color scheme of the car um it it probably won't be i can't imagine it's going to be as good as what was done over at mclaren only because the papaya works well with the golf logo mm-hmm. and bringing in the, the the sky blue and those other colors worked really well. The Williams is blue and black. I mean, it's sharp looking, but it's, it's a very different color scheme. So I don't know what they 
might do at this point. I mean, that papaya and sky blue and white livery that McLaren has used, that color scheme has been kind of iconic for golf McLaren for, I mean, since the 70s. There's a lighter blue in the Williams livery that I think would play off the golf logo very, very well. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do. The reason I call it out is because historically, I've always really liked the fan gear that Williams puts out. Mm -hmm. And I've also liked what golf in golf's partnership with McLaren's uh, fan gear looks like. So there's that part of me that's like, maybe we could have some really good style coming out of them. And we do know they want to do something. Both Williams and golf have said that they want to leverage these things. They want to leverage the iconic colors. They want to leverage the fandom around those colors. And they have things that they want to do around it. They're not talking a whole lot about it. Um, But they're looking for ways that they can bring, as they call it, iconic assets to life with Williams and with golf. Um, We don't know what it's going to look like. Um, The other thing that Williams has been quick to point out is that um, they're really not hurting from the loss of sponsorship that left with Nick Latifi. Oh, really? Now, you'll notice that um, Lavazza Coffee is no longer represented on the car. They were one of Nick's sponsors as well as Safina. I'm not even sure who, what Safina was, but I know Lavazza. Mm-hmm. Um, what they've gotten, however, uh, is Michelob Ultra. Oh. is on the car at least when they're not in the Gulf states mm-hmm. remember that gets pulled off um they got a cronus they got a couple of other new new um sponsors as well stevens and the trading company pure stream we'll see how long that lasts <laughs> um they've also said that they're seeing increased interest with american sponsors thanks to logan Sargent joining the team but this is something i did not know and it kind of surprises me apparently Williams has an office in New York. Okay. It is fully based on, well, actually, it's not fully. They have a, based in that office, they have a large fan engagement team um, led by a former SVP of fan engagement for the NFL with a number of American sports marketing specialists on the team. They're specifically investing in what they call fan activations Mm -hmm. um, around U.S. races and assets. Um, that they have in, in the market so that you know they're hoping that with Logan and Jamie Chadwick in the Drivers Academy competing in Indy NXT that they'll be able to do some more brand recognition stuff within the U.S. Oh, that'd be cool. But I thought it was interesting that Williams has an office in the U.S. in New York with a large focus on fan engagement. That was kind of surprising to me. So perhaps we are emailing the wrong office. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, you didn't, that CND that you were looking at, that didn't come from Williams, right? Uh, um, I, I, I can't talk about that. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's not the anti-stocking lawsuit that I'm having with, you know, Total Wolf or anything. Well, but. no, it, it, it's not that one. <laughs> and I'm kidding, people. Barely stalking him. <laughs> Following him on Twitter doesn't count. Oh, good. 
Anyway, so moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, Alpha Tori has, has rolled out their livery in New York. And I think we mentioned it, but it really didn't dawn on me until this past week. So they rolled out their livery in New York during New York Fashion Week. Right. Because they that Alpha Tori is actually Bingo. a clothing company. It, as soon as I read that and realized, oh, wait a minute. Well, that makes total sense now. So, yeah. Um, I kind of got to say, I'm not a fan. It's okay. It, the the white rounded it's, it's, bulbous back end um, kind of well, looks like a Alpha football Tori helmet. Alpha logo. I get that, but it kind of looks like a football helmet from this angle. More like a snail, but okay. Okay, a snail. (laughs) A snail would be another option. You might not want that on your Formula One car, but okay. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I'm going with it's not exuding fast. (laughs) Let's go with that. Um, But I am pleased that the drivers are not sitting on the tires. Not in this picture. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. It's just not in this picture. Well, they're wearing the clothes, so they probably did not want to get tire gunk on the, the seat of their pants. That Maybe that's what it is. Um, of note around that, besides the fact that you don't like their, their livery, um, they are also sporting a new sponsor. Uh, PKN Orlin. Who is that? It, it's less a matter of who they are so much as who they have sponsored in the past um pecan orland used to be on the sauber and then alfa romeo cars thanks to the affiliation with robert kibitza robert kibitza is now officially out of any semblance of any relationship with a formula one team Um, as a result P.K. and Orland was removed from the Alfa Romeo and became, I guess, free agents. Oh, okay. So as a result, they are now over on the Alfa Tori. But Maybe. their move is, is symbolic of Robert Kubica's departure from F1. Maybe when they were kind of going through what they could do next, they just stopped at the Alfa. Maybe. Maybe they thought they were re-signing with Alfa Romeo <laughs> and they, they screwed up. <laughs> yeah, maybe. They flipped the page and it was like, oh, look, it says Alfa. We'll just sign. Oh, we didn't mean to sign Alfa Tori. We meant Alfa Romeo. Yeah. Um, Haas has rolled out theirs as well. Um, the big thing with Haas and, and um, Haas has a new, and I think we mentioned this a couple months ago. Haas has a new title sponsor in MoneyGram. Um, this might be the first... I mean, technically, they are the MoneyGram Haas F1 team now. Mm. Um, but this may be the first time in quite a while that we have seen an American company as a title sponsor for a Formula One team. And more than that, it's probably the first time that we have seen the quote-unquote American team finally bring in an American sponsorship. Also a good thing. I also notice on the livery that we are no longer sporting the Russian flag. Well, we have not been um, for about a year now. No, they still had some blue on it the last time around. They didn't, but it was for it. It, it was other colors, and it was not the original Russian flag inspired livery of yeah. Well, the original launch last year and the previous year. Yeah, they 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 
toned it down over the last over last year but there is you know they no longer have that blue on the the nose at all mm-hmm. um it is very much red and white i miss the days of the black haas they've got a lot of black and, and you can see it in the profile okay um so they've still got that as well um in terms of sponsors who are no longer there um probably the more prominent one is uh web hosting company one and one which is german and was associated with Mick Schumacher. Uh-huh. So Mick's departure took them off the car. Got it. Um, moving on. So Red Bull unveiled their livery, also in New York. Right. And, you know, the previous cars, the, the previous teams, when they rolled it out, there were some, you could see that there were some evolutionary changes to the car, that there were, you know, there were some modifications to the last vehicle we saw at the end of the 2022 season. So folks were now analyzing that. Everyone looked at the Red Bull when it rolled out and they went, it's the same thing. <laughs> And I and I looked at this and I'm like, well, duh, because that's all they ever said that they were doing was a livery reveal. So of course the car's going to be the same. Well, yeah, but people get all excited thinking they're gonna get a car reveal. Um I would argue that their livery also looks very much the same. It kind of you're going to need to see them side by side to be able to see what's different in the 20 the 2023 one versus the 2022 one. Honestly, more than anything else, I'm I'm kind of surprised at what's still on the car. I'm surprised that Rocket is still there given the fact that we know that they haven't been paying their bills and they've been getting removed from teams and that Bybit was there um given the implosion of the crypto market mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm a bit surprised that they're still there we'll, we'll see what happens in, in a couple of months but the reality was from that announcement or that the, the livery reveal that wasn't the big news no it was not it was not at all the big news what was actually the big news came out well, pretty close. Pretty well. It was at the announcement. Actually, the the whole livery reveal was word that Ford is returning to Formula One, partnered with Red Bull and AlphaTauri. See, this gives me conflict. <laughs> In so very many ways, one Ford, iconic American brand beloved in the story of Ford versus Ferrari. You know, the underdog, you want this this rivalry to happen. Ford has a great history in F1. You want to cheer their return to Formula One. But they've partnered with the devil. They've partnered with Red Bull, my most hated of teams. I don't like them. Well, maybe you could root for them at Alpha Tori. No. Okay. Because they have a snail on their car. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but they may not have. The, so the partner <laughs> Ford formally returns to the grid in 2026. So the snail may be gone by then. You've got a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, knowing <laughs> the intelligence of all people involved, they're going to take that Ford Oval and put it on the snail. <laughs> That's what they're going to do. Um, yeah, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling <laughs> with this um, in so very many ways, but I get it. You know, you couldn't exactly have a Mercedes powered by Ford either. So, you know, I get yeah. that. But, okay, so let's see what Red Bull can do t- to Ford to tick them off. Now, what's going to be kind of interesting is this is not a full-on engine deal. Remember, Red Bull has spent all this money on Red Bull powertrains. Mm-hmm. And... That whole agreement, all right, let, let, let's be honest, it, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in its own right. Because, yes, Red Bull Powertrains is coming in. They poached half of Mercedes' high-performance powertrains to come work over there. But from everything that we've heard, it, it it's still a two-year-old Honda engine. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, admittedly, that two-year-old Honda engine is working fairly well. And has a whole lot of room, it appears, to continue to perform and upgrade and improve. But it's still a Honda engine that they're working on. 2026, the agreement that has come into place, that that what Ford is doing, Ford is not going to supply them with engines. They're not going to build engines. Red Bull Powertrains is going to exist. The technical exchange that's happening, the partnership that's happening with Ford is around electronics and hybrid power systems. Interesting. So as a result of this, this new partnership has not been classified and does not qualify apparently under the rules as a new engine constructor entering Formula One. Hmm. Yeah, um, because they do not get full engine supplier status, that means there's only 90% of the financial benefits of being a new engine supplier that is being applied to this partnership. Okay. So how did, you're, you're now wondering, well, well, how does this work? No, I was now wondering, is, you know, <clears throat> seriously, 90% sounds really close to 100%, so there's a provision in um, the 2026 regulations for suppliers. It states that if following a review of the requested documentation, the FIA determines that a power unit manufacturer does not satisfy the necessary conditions, the FIA reserves the right at its absolute discretion to grant the power unit manufacturer a partial new power unit manufacturer status. Partial new power unit manufacturer status will give rise to a reduction of the additional rights accorded to new power unit manufacturers by the technical, sporting, and financial regulations. So for somebody like Audi, as a new supplier coming in in 2026, they're allowed extra spending power and extra dyno time relative to the established manufacturers in the buildup to the 2026 rules. New suppliers can spend an extra $10 million in 2023, $10 million in 2024, and $5 million in 2025 within the areas covered by the cost cap. They also are allowed an additional $15 million in capital expenditure over that same time frame. 
Um, but because of this whole thing that Red Bull Powertrains is a separate entity and is building the combustion engine part of the car and this partnership is not for Ford to do that, they can't be considered a wholly new manufacturer entering the sport. So under that, Mm-hmm. Is Red Bull going to wind up with at least a portion of this extra spend on the cost cap? I, I don't know how much goes to Red Bull and how much goes to Ford. But any extra spend that's going to be afforded based on a 90% new versus a 100% new advantage Red Bull. But keep in mind, that is for 2026. Right. I get that, mm-hmm. but they had a dominating car last year. The theory would be they're going to have a dominating car this year because you know the delta to domination is smaller. That would get them a little bit ahead of the curve in building the next generation of dominating car. Yes and no. Because again, remember that 2026 powertrain is supposed to be a different powertrain. Right. So they can't build off of what's going on now other than the fact that oh we know how an engine works you know but but remember when we talked about what was it 2013 when the mercedes domination period began Mm -hmm. one of the things that you and i have talked about so much that we've bored people is that the key piece that mercedes did so right was they started developing that engine way early they were one of the first to start developing towards that tipping mm-hmm. point. And because of that, they were already ahead of the curve. What I'm suggesting is even with a, this partial deal, which is probably in the best interest and probably the reason why it's worded the way it is and done this way, is if they get any piece of an additional cost cap, it can help them close the delta in development for the next generation of the via, of the engine because they can focus that money that way where a Mercedes, for example, has no additional money to develop the 2026 engine because they're an existing manufacturer. They still start with the same thing. Well, we know how an engine works. It, if you look at it that way, then Audi has an even bigger advantage. Exactly. And I don't think it quite shakes out that way. compared to more wind tunnel time for this year and stuff I I, I don't think it'll work out that way Um, especially when you're talking about the fact that you've got a new manufacturer in in Ford who's got to come in and figure out how to to build hybrid powertrains and adapt hybrid powertrains to that Red Bull and that's the reason why they're getting any kind of a new status you know, you're talking a brand new hybrid powertrain in theory that Ford is bringing in that has not run an F1 at all. Correct. But keep in mind, you know, we say Audi would have an advantage too because they'd have that extra money mm-hmm. to develop. But their disadvantage is that they don't have the, they don't have any running time to play with. Neither does Ford. But Red Bull does. 
if you think about the new engine as being, let's pretend, a 50-50 split between the combustion engine and the hybrid engine that Ford, the hybrid components that Ford would bring, 50% of that engine is being developed in, yes, the rules will change, but being developed in this world. Uh, I, I, I don't think the rules were written that way. Um, you know, again, you, you go back to the to the jump between 2013 and 2014, and we went from the V8s to the V6s. That was a major architectural shift in the engines. And other than the fact that, yes, we know what kind of race fuel we use, there was no crossover between what was done in the, in the V8s and the V6s. The, the intention behind the design going into 26 is to be pretty close to that. You know, they're supposed to be taking out, um, I believe it's the MGUH. Whichever one of those two is the hated part, MGUH and they're keeping the MGUK, and the MGUK gets to stay. But, you know, there are components being removed that will... It, that should require a full-on redesign of the engine from scratch that other than, well, we know what fuel we're going to use and, you know, we know don't use this steel because it melts faster kind of a thing. I, I, I don't think that there's going to be enough of a crossover for that to, to gain any kind of significant advantage other than, you know, you're not, you're not starting three years behind. We shall see. Because essentially what what they're trying to do with this is they're trying to head off a Honda return. Right. You know, completely misunderstanding the the nature of Formula One and its current guys. And I understand yeah. that. I just think that Red Bull has figured out a way to at least get some extra money in their cost gap. I, I, I don't think it'll be nearly as beneficial as you think. I really don't. We'll see in 2026. Yeah, and by then you'll have forgotten anyway. So, um... <laughs> Can we put that in the prediction and lock it away until no. 2026, please? Nope. Please? Um, speaking please. of Honda, apparently there was negotiations between Red Bull and Honda about Honda staying with the team and, and in Formula One when the Porsche deal fell apart. Mm. Um... All Red Bull will turn around and say is that it, it, it logistically it was too complicated for them to do. I, I don't quite understand how it was since, again, they're running a two-year-old engine. And yeah, they built a factory that Honda could just move into if they really wanted to. And, and But Red Bull has said, yeah, this was too hard. We're not going to do this. I predict that nobody at Red Bull was willing to learn Japanese. See, I... I'm I'm not quite sure that that's the issue. And honestly, from what I've heard, and I assume this is both at Red Bull and at Alpha Tori, but I heard more at Alpha Tori that thanks to Honda, and th this is actually dead serious, thanks to Honda, they used to have absolutely amazing sushi in the motorhome. Oh. Like, blow your mind kind of sushi. Yeah, so you know, just for that there, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that, that they're losing Honda because that would have been awesome. I okay. know we've never been invited to it, but... You but know. you're not going to get invited 
and Christian Horner... Especially us. Yeah. Christian (laughs) Horner already knows how I feel about him. So I'm not going to get invited. So, yeah. So you ruined... I did not ruin. Well, we... Not personally. We'd have to be invited as a guest of Franz Toast. He doesn't hate us yet. No. Yet. No. We've been nice to him. We've mostly been nice to him by totally ignoring him. Well, hey. But, you know, that... In our world, that is being nice. So with Ford coming back, a lot of folks have said, well, okay, Ford... And and by the way, this is Ford's return to Formula One. They've been gone since 2004. Mm -hmm. Um, But with Ford coming back, folks are like, well, what about Cosworth? Because Ford and Cosworth have partnered quite a bit over the years, both in Formula One and in racing in general. Um partnered quite a bit so what about Cosworth Cosworth hasn't been in Formula One since 2013 with Marussia and then walked away and said we're not doing this Cosworth has said yeah we're still out. we're still out <laughs> thanks but no thanks we're, we're still appreciate out. it so what engine manufacturers are confirmed for 2026 oh I know one yeah we know Mercedes <laughs> <laughs> I know two all right so <laughs> We have Alpine, no surprise, Ferrari, Audi, Mercedes, Red Bull, but there's six of them, and that's only five. And Red Bull Ford, I should say. That's only five. And Cosworth has said no. Mm-hmm. Porsche's out. Mm-hmm. Um, Cadillac. No. No. Um, Remember, that's, that's a weird, well, one, they haven't been, the team hasn't been granted an entry. Um, but that's a weird rebadging with Renault for reasons. Reasons. Um, um, let's see. Who else could possibly be an engine manufacturer? Hmm. Time's up. Honda. Wait a minute. They said they were out. Yeah. I, I, I don't quite understand what's going on here. This... So, is Honda says divorce. they're out. They're they they're not spinning a team up. However, they have applied for and been granted by the FIA approval to be an official sanctioned engine manufacturer and have as an engine manufacturer for Formula One input and influence on the 2026 rule package. So this is apparently Honda deciding that they're just going to go and, I guess, keep their fingers involved without actually running in Formula One. So let me get this straight. They are in the middle of a divorce from Red Bull. No, they're officially divorced. Okay, they're... Kind of. Kind of. But, I mean, they're still playing with custody over the car. The engine. The engine. Um, So they're going through this like lengthy separation thing with with Red Bull. And they are keeping their fingers in the relationship well enough to be able to influence the way the rules are written for engines in the next generation that they may or may not participate in. So they're going to participate in the rules, but they're not going to participate in the sport. Well, wow. 
I mean, also, if you think about what they're setting up here, and, and it makes you wonder, you know, what the hell is going on at Honda, what they're setting up here. So they're getting sanctioned as an engine, engine manufacturer without having a team, so nobody to supply engines to, which means no reason to actually build an actual engine. So no costs. Well, yes, no costs. No practical experience. So if somebody came to them and said, hey, we're looking for an engine supplier. You guys are already approved. Come on in. Now we're looking at a replay of the McLaren-Honda partnership. That's exactly what they're setting up here. Because there's no reason for them to develop an engine. There's no reason for them to build an engine because there's no team that wants that engine. So why expend that cost? So if somebody comes to them and they decide that they're going to come back into the sport, they're now going to be how many years behind again? Wait. Just building on that semi-logical thought. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you remember the rule shift that said that if a man, if a constructor needs an engine and has lost the deal with their engine manufacturer, the the engine manufacturer with the fewest number of customers Mm -hmm. will have to supply the engine. Mm -hmm. So wait a second. Because we always thought that that was going to bite Renault in the bottom. But do you think that the move here is actually part of this divorce thing that we've been seeing watch going on with Red Bull? We're going to keep our fingers in the engine manufacturer. We're going to stay as a listed manufacturer. <coughs> because Red Bull inevitably is going to piss off their new manufacturer. They might not. Well, they've done it twice now. So, you know, they've done it with every manufacturer they've had so far. No. And this allows Red Bull to go back and go, oh, well, now we have a backup plan. Well, first off, I I disagree with this that Red Bull has pissed off everyone. It's just Renault. It really is. It's just Renault. They didn't piss off Ferrari when they were running Ferrari engines. It's just Renault that they that they had this, and honestly, Red Bull let them down, or not Red Bull, Renault let them down. They were putting out a crappy powertrain, mm-hmm. and then Red Bull lost their sweetheart deal when Renault decided that they actually wanted to return to the sport. Um, but they didn't piss off Honda. It, it's been a good relationship with Honda. Um more than anything, I think they were pissed off over the fact that Honda decided that they were going to leave on them. Mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering if there's some backup thing with the reason why this is listed like this. And the whole thing with Porsche, that fell apart because Porsche wanted a controlling stake in the team. Right. And Red Bull w- was not willing to do that. And one of the things that I kind of wonder, since we have heard rumblings in the past that Red Bull was looking for an out with the Toro Rosso Alpha Tori squad is maybe with Ford coming in and new management in place because 
You know, Dietrich Mateschitz is, has passed away now. With new management coming in over Red Bull as a whole, could we see at some point Alpha Tori get spun off truly over to, say, Ford or to somebody else? That would be interesting, but they would lose some of the data that they get from Alphatori. That partnership of having a B team, feeding them extra data, it's like having four cars on the grid. Yeah. And I'm well, the, the, not sure that's in there necessarily. In the best theory, interest. there are limits in what data can be shared. In theory. In theory. I, so anyway. Mm-hmm. The other thing that has been announced, despite opposition from Formula One themselves, which I think is interesting, the FIA has opened the process formally for new teams to apply for entry to the Formula One grid. Okay. So interested parties have until April 30th to submit their packages. Now, obviously, we know... The Andretti Cadillac entry. Mm-hmm. We have heard rumors that there may be one or two other parties that are interested in applying as well. We shall see who who responds. Yeah. Interesting. Now, you said that there's opposition within Formula One. And, and what, what we don't know, is it truly opposition to new teams... Or is it just the Andretti entry? Mm. Um, we, we've heard opposition up and down. Really, the only two teams that seem to be in support of it are Zach Brown and McLaren and Alpine. Mm. Alpine, obviously, because there's the weird rebadging partnership deal. <laughs> um, I, 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 whatever. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but what? those are the only two teams, and one of, if not the most vocal about Andretti joining the grid, has been Haas and Gunther Steiner. Really? Um, so Gunther Steiner, for starters, says that he believes that there is no upside, just risk, to a, an eleventh team or for any new team. To join the grid. And this would be going from 2025 on, potentially. No upside for him? No upside for the new team? He says for the sport. So his argument is that five years ago you could get teams for nothing. But that now the series is stable, caution is required with potential expansion. The ten teams which are here, they're all financially stable. They're all well set up. It's a very good environment at the moment. Nobody is struggling. So if you put an 11th team in and you get a little bit of a dip in the economy or something, all of a sudden people may struggle to survive. So why take the risk if there's no upside? Because an 11th team, what upside is it bringing? It's not for me to decide. It's for FOM to decide. FOM and the FIA because they're managing the business side of F1. There is no upside at the moment for an 11th team to come for the other teams. There is just risk, no benefit. Well, he said the same thing three different times. He did. Without actually saying anything. Now, that's an interesting an interesting move. 
I, I wish to call out his series of ifs. <laughs> if you get on an 11th team, mm-hmm. if the economy takes a dip, if Formula One becomes unstable, if the teams suffer, mm-hmm. I counted about four. There might have been a fifth one in that series of ifs of things that would have had to happen in order for Gunther's pronouncement to be accurate. Because the reality is, what he's basing this on is 10 teams today, 10 stable teams, 10 stable teams in a growth sport that's growing financially, Mm -hmm. a growth sport, you know, riding the high of its growth, and he's projecting that it has it is peaked or is peaking and that there will be an, a downturn in the sport. Now, global economies being what they are, we are fully expecting some contraction in the in the global mm-hmm. economy. Like I, I'm not saying anything that the national news hasn't said. So that part I get, that's that's got some merit. But just because there's a global contraction does not mean a sport on the rise that still has Delta to grow in would not continue to grow even in a recession. That is that is possible. It is possible for businesses to grow even in a recession environment. So you kind of put those ifs together. And what Gunther is actually saying is, I don't want an 11th team because if there is any sort of a hiccup, I will lose money. Mm-hmm. I, you know what, you know what Christian Horner told us so many years ago. Think bigger than your own team. There you go. Think bigger than your own team for a moment. Think about what's right for Formula One. And for the record, did you always do what was right for Formula One when you were dominating? Absolutely not. <laughs> you do what right, what was right for your team. That's what I'm paid to do. Which is why you can't put the teams in that position. Put that in there. <laughs> So that's what Gunther's not seeing, is think bigger than your own well, team. Be, because, again, as Christian would say, he's not paid to do that. But the, he, he's also missing some, some key things, not the least of which is, and, and he should know this because he's at every stinking race, but we have grown the calendar in response to the popularity of the sport and trying to get it into more places so we now have 23 races not the plan 24 because china's off the again um we have 23 races out of the the originally desired 24 by formula one management so we've grown the calendar we've grown the places that appears on the planet why then would you not also want to grow the number of teams involved in the sport as well you can support more races why can't you support more teams because he wants a bigger slice of the pie well, not he, a bigger pie he he does but you know it, you you can't turn around and say we want a bigger pie and not be willing to grow other pieces of it you know, you, you're taking these actions because of the popularity, and then you want to say that the popularity is not strong enough to support another team. It th- that argument doesn't work. 
you know, I, I, I get his whole thing of, well, you know, a team could fail. Guess what? We've had teams failing before. Haas is partly on the grid. Haas has taken advantage over the fact that teams have failed before. Mm-hmm. It was one year we lost mm-hmm. two teams to bankruptcy. And let's also remember that the entry that's been proposed, as it stands today and what we know of it today, arguably brings more to the sport than what Haas brought to the sport when they started and when they entered. Because Gene Haas made the conscious decision and he freely admits that he did this, that he was going to walk in with zero sponsors and zero sponsorship on the car because this was all about a branding exercise for him and his brand more than anything else. It wasn't about bringing in new manufacturers. It wasn't about bringing in new eyeballs. It wasn't any of that stuff. It was for Gene Haas's brand, which, you know, more power to him that he had the funding that he could do that awesome but here you've got andretti that's coming in with a major american automotive manufacturer not that i'm a fan of cadillac but they still are a major american automotive manufacturer one of the largest manufacturers in the world and oh it's not good enough come on and i think the piece of this puzzle that we have to focus in on is I fervently believe that the objection to the 11th team is much more to do with the fact that the 11th team would likely be the Andretti entry Mm -hmm. than it is about dividing the pie 11 ways versus 10 ways. Because I think this is a prejudgment against Andretti. There is no argument to me, in my mind, that the Andretti name the Cadillac name would bring more to F1 than not having that, that they would bring new eyeballs. They would bring new visibility. They would bring new markets to the sport. How does that not grow your pie naturally? Well, so, what, what you got to be careful about there. And, and this was what, this was the promise, the unrealized promise with Haas coming in. Because as you recall, and and we were looking forward to it too, when Haas came in, the whole reason why everybody thought that this was a good idea, despite what Gene not having any sponsors, was that Gene and the Haas organization had very strong ties with NASCAR. Mm -hmm. And they had that racing pedigree through Stuart Haas Racing and a winning pedigree in NASCAR with Stuart Haas Racing. And that it was believed and it was pitched to everybody, including from Formula One to and, and from Haas themselves, that this would be a gateway to not just bring U.S. fans, but U.S. businesses and U.S. manufacturers and U.S. companies into Formula One to support it. And here we are, what, seven years later? Because I think it was 2016 when Haas came in. And they've done it for the first time this year. Here's the thing. Haas was six years too early. I don't know about that. I I do. 
I, I think so. I no, think some of it if is. If you think the drive to survive surge, that was probably two two years. So that, but they were a little early. I think <clears throat> the mistake on the branding thing, you know, the Haas ego thing. I think that that delayed some of that, but. Haas could have brought more to the plate had they leveraged some of their racing contacts that I don't think they did because of mm-hmm. the, we're not going to put any sponsors on this car. I also think that the miss here is... Well, I think that not putting sponsors on the car was justification for the fact that they didn't actually attract anybody. But I think the miss is you are probably more likely to have transition fans from IndyCar to Formula One mm-hmm. than you would from NASCAR to Formula One. I think that that's where the Andretti name has a lot more application. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, quite frankly, if I was IndyCar right now, I'd be lobbying Formula One to nix the deal. Because the last thing I want to do is have my fans... Well, for all we know, Roger Penske may be doing that. And maybe that's but, some of this. Is The last thing I want is my fans to start dividing their time. Because you and I know, as much as what mm-hmm. we do is go to Indy, you know, locally we'll go to an IndyCar race because it's close. The reality is, at the end of the day, when we're sitting on our couch, we're watching the Formula One race, not the IndyCar race if they're in the same weekend. And we tried to, well, we tried to follow IndyCar and it was just, it was too much. It was too much to do both. So you choose one. So would you, you know, maybe that's what Penske's doing. Maybe that's what all this swirl is, is some behind the scenes navigation of you really don't want Andretti. You don't want him because IndyCar doesn't want to give him up. IndyCar doesn't want him splitting his time. The, maybe that's my new conspiracy theory. The The only potential twist to that and and i don't know because this was pre-roger but if you remember before roger bought the series we had heard rumors a lot of rumors that indycar was trying to get more of an international presence they were trying to get a race down in what was it surf city in australia they were trying to get a race i think in in mexico or brazil but they were trying. They weren't getting any traction. That That's the only potential curve I could see there is, you know, if Roger lets him go, he could potentially leverage that for some additional international exposure from IndyCar. But I, I, I don't know. Mm. But, you know, at, at this point, Honestly, I can't call it anything other than arrogance coming from from Gunther. And as much as we we like Gunther and we we've liked him in the past, his his obstinance here has been really kind of frustrating. He he went so far a couple of weeks ago to turn around and say that he didn't think that the um, Andretti Cadillac entry was a good idea because outside of the U.S., nobody knows who Cadillac is. And my head kind of exploded at that. Because, okay, Cadillac might not be as internationally recognized as Chevrolet or General Motors, but they've still got a fairly large international presence. And 
you you think about between Cadillac and General Motors as a whole and Holden and that whole family of brands, arguably, there's probably more rec- name recognition in that family of brands globally than, oh, Alpine, than Renault. Renault hasn't been in the U.S. in how many years? Since they stopped selling the Le Car. Since the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I go back to Cadillac was one of the original manufacturers of the car. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to tell me Ford, also an original manufacturer of the car, is welcome with open arms into Formula One and Cadillac isn't because it doesn't have the same legacy as Ford. I mean, more than anything else, what I what I find perplexing about that entry is that it's Cadillac as opposed to Chevy. Mm-hmm. That that's about it because you have the Corvette and when you think racing pedigree now admittedly Cadillac has had a presence in uh the LMP1 series they've got um the the WEC teams they they do have in some of the those series a strong presence um and GM doesn't but you know you think of the Corvettes you think of I mean <laughs> GM is one of the big well Chevy I should say is the other engine manufacturer in IndyCar Mm -hmm. and they do quite well in IndyCar yeah granted it's a 50-50 chance but you know hey you know (laughs) yeah but do you remember when we were at Mid-Ohio and went to the Honda racing uh, booth that Mm -hmm. was there and we it's mar- the Honda two-seater. And we marveled at the fact that the IndyCar Honda engine doesn't blow up because they had just... It doesn't blow up as much. Yeah. It, yeah. It, they were going through a rash of blowing ups in Formula well, One. At the that, was, that was still during the McLaren Honda years. Now, moving on to other stuff. Okay. I, just, I, I, I can't... You just can't dig anymore. into that anymore. It, it, it's it's ridiculous. The only thing I guess I'll say is, as much as we want that bid to go forward, I'm not going to root for the Andretti team just because I don't like Michael. Um, <laughs> Michael seems like a nice guy, but I, I I don't like Mario. And yeah, okay. Mario is really short. Yeah. But um, while we're on the topic of hot. Haas does acknowledge, in theory, that they have seen the light. And it's an oncoming train. Well, it's been a bit of a um, train has passed them (laughs) because they finally realized that maybe you might want to upgrade the car once in a while during the season. Oh. You know, the last two years they've had all of two upgrades. Mm Mm-hmm. That's it. Over the two years, they've done one upgrade in each season. That's it. Well, they, they finally realized that um, they need to have a proper upgrade program, um, possibly because they have money now, thanks to the MoneyGram deal. 
Um, and, you know, MoneyGram is more likely to pay them than, oh, Rich Energy. Uh, yeah, that was low, but yeah. Um, well, okay. You, you do have to wonder. <laughs> given that this is MoneyGram and this is Haas, and Haas and their history with Rich Energy, is it really a deal with MoneyGram or a Nigerian prince? I know. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who's just paying them potentially, maybe, possibly through MoneyGram. See, and I wonder, I wonder if the legacy of their NASCAR <clears throat> world is where their own hubris got them, that they didn't have an upgrade program. Because NASCAR stock cars... NASCAR doesn't evolve by its nature. Except this whole thing of them not upgrading the car is something that only started happening about two years ago. It started happening when the team started struggling financially. True. When they started relying on dirty Russian money mm. to keep the team alive. Is, is and when we all they started went to predicting run. that yeah. Haas was going to sell. Mm-hmm. So they now say that they've got the money so that they can have a proper upgrade program and they can continue to move things forward. And we should see more upgrades coming through the year than just one. So they'll go to two. They'll double their upgrade program. We shall see. Um, other bit of news. FIA President Mohammed bin Salam has been announced that he will be stepping back. Well, no, he has stepped back from the day-to-day running of Formula One ahead of the new season and that he has turned over um, the running of Formula One to the head of single-seat development um, and that this is not an unexpected announcement. This was very, very fast. I mean, he lasted slightly longer than Liz Trust. Keep in mind, He's still president of the FIA. It's that he is not directly involved in running Formula One anymore, which Franz Toast hasn't hadn't been involved his last several years, and he should not have needed to be involved. The argument for why he was involved was because after the controversies coming from the the 2021 season and restructuring the overall management and leadership of the series and how it interacted with Formula One management, he needed to be involved in because of those controversies. And it was always planned that he was going to step back. Mm -hmm. Now, admittedly, he's stepping back now and the teams and possibly Stefano Domenicali are going, don't come back! (laughs) There's the door. Yeah. Don't don't speak to a microphone for a while. We're not planning on giving you a paddock pass. <laughs> it got lost in the mail. Yeah. Um, there there's still a lot of anger and frustration over Mohammed bin Salayam and what he's been doing and what he has said and and the changes to the rules around political statements and and that is still a very heated issue with all of the drivers mm-hmm. um, and what they can say and what they can't say and the race directors and as much as 
he's not involved, we'll see how much stays out of his hands. Yeah. Be interesting. Um, but yeah, he he is stepping away to handle other parts of motorsport under the FIA. Okay. And finally. Las Vegas has approved the plan to continue hosting the Formula One Grand Prix in the city for the next 10 years. That includes closing the strip. Wow. 10 And everyone said there's no way they're going to be, they're going to get the strip closed. They're closing the strip. Hmm. So what I think one of the things that'll be interesting and we will be, hoping to hear from our, and he doesn't know this until right now, our on-the-ground correspondent in Las Vegas. <laughs> We've just hired our first on-the-ground correspondent, didn't we? Yeah. Don't expect a benefits package. <laughs> his, his pay has six zeros on either side of the decimal point, and that's the only digit. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's all the budget allows. <laughs> We could negotiate up to seven zeros if you want, but, you know. <laughs> he gets exactly the same pay we get. There you go. <laughs> we, we will be very interested to, to uh, hear his reporting and pictures, uh, at the turmoil that this causes in, in Las Vegas. Yes. The good news is our on-the-ground correspondent is a fairly opinionated correspondent, so we should hear (laughs) great information. I feel like he will get to the heart of the story and give us the Las Vegasing, Vegas, Vegasin, Vegas, uh, what would a person that lives in Las Vegas be called? person who lives in Las Vegas. I don't know. I mean, it's... (laughs) Las Vegan. Las Vegan? Is vegan? that vegan? <laughs> Is it a vegan Las Vegas? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, anyway, give us the impressions of those who live there. Should be interesting. Um, and on that note, we'll call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye now. Bye. Bye bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye bye now. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is there is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay.